into the Word of God this morning as we look at James chapter number 3. I've enjoyed our study through the book of James. We've been working verse by verse, uh, passage by passage through this book for some time now. I think this is about uh, message number 15 or so as we've been working through the book of James. And uh, last week we, we saw James chapter number 3 verses 1 and 2 and we spent some time there. And this week we're going to pick up right where we left off and continue on as we study chapter number 3. And the chapter number 3 is an interesting passage uh, squished right into the middle of this book of James. Um, with a powerful truth, a powerful lesson, and we're going to dive into it this morning. Before we do, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then we will dive into the scriptures together this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you give us to be able to open your word. I pray now that for a few moments now that you would bring our hearts into captivity, our thoughts into captivity, that, Lord, we'd be able to focus on your word, and, God, that we would hear from you. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I pray, God, that you would speak, that you would minister to our hearts, and I pray, God, you give me the words to say that, Lord, it would be a help to those that are here today, would challenge, encourage. And, Lord, as we look at these things today, I know that it's a difficult thing, it's a hard thing, and yet, God, it's something that's very important in our Christian life. And I pray, God, that uh, what's said would bring honor and bring glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are various points and times in your life that it's, it's an okay time to stick your tongue out. Okay, right now is not one of those, okay? That's, that's not, this isn't the time to do it. Believe it or not, I've been in a service before in the middle of a message preaching and uh, in a very passionate point of the message and somebody clearly must have been fish, uh, offended because they looked at me and they stuck their tongue out at me while I'm preaching. People make all kinds of faces when you preach to them. It's kind of weird. But uh, it, it, there, there's various times that it's, that it's actually okay. Like, for example, when, when you're a child and your brother or sister uh, do something, and, and then your mom or dad takes your side. That's, that's a good time to, to, to stick your tongue out at your brother or sister. That's, that's an okay time to do it. Uh, there's probably been times where you went to the doctor's office, and you've sat there on, the, on the, the little seat there, and the doctor walks over and says, okay, open your mouth, stick your tongue out, say ah, right? And they take the little popsicle stick, and they stick it in your mouth, and they, they look inside, and, and you got to stick your tongue out whenever you do that. No doubt, um, most of us, all of us, I would say, pretty much in this room, at some point or another, have enjoyed enjoyed the luxury of sticking our tongue out and licking off an ice cream cone. That's a great thing, all right? Licking some chocolate ice cream off an ice cream cone. We've all probably had that, uh, that opportunity and, uh, and learned that that's a, that's a very good thing. I learned uh, growing up from a Christmas movie that I won't mention today because I found that it's probably not the best Christmas movie, that it's not a good idea to stick your tongue to a frozen pole, even if you're triple dog there, okay? Not a good idea to do that either. That's a bad, bad thing to do. There are certain times that it's okay to, uh, to stick your tongue out. There are certain times that, uh, to, to do things with your tongue like that. But the truth is this, most days you probably don't think too much about your tongue. You probably didn't wake up this morning and, and your first thought probably wasn't, oh, look, yeah, it's still there. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just not something that we really get too much attention to. We don't think too much about and unless you, you know, you bite it on accident. Our kids do that oftentimes. Oh, I bit my tongue. You know, that's, that's not a good feeling. Then, then you realize that it's there. Maybe you get a sore on your tongue or something and, and then you're reminded that you have a tongue in your mouth or, or, or maybe you drink something hot. You know, maybe you pick up a, a, a you know, a, a, your, your coffee in the morning or whatever you do. I would never never do this, but you pick up your coffee in the morning and, and you take a sip and oh, it's hot and it burns, burns your tongue and it's that point that you realize that you, you have a tongue. But unless you do something like that, really we don't, we don't pay attention to our tongue. We don't really think about it. 
So it's interesting that James, as he's writing his, his he's got five chapters in, in the Bible, five chapters, and he spends basically an entire chapter talking about the tongue. He dedicates this 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 entire passage to this this little little thing that's that's hidden in our mouth that that we don't give any attention to. He dedicates this whole chapter to this matter of our our tongue and our speech. Last week we we finished a message discussing chapter number three, verse number two, as James brought attention to the reality that that if a person could could truly control their tongue, if they could truly bridle their tongue all the time, they would be the equivalent of a perfect man, okay? And we, we discussed last week that uh, the truth is this, unfortunately, uh, none of us are perfect, okay? Uh, even though you may sometimes think that you're doing pretty good, none of us reach that bar of perfection. Uh, the, the, the problem is that our, that our tongue sometimes, oftentimes, gives us away and proves that we are far less than perfect. And so he, he, he brings us all into this, this same boat we saw in, in, in chapter number three, verse number two. He said, listen, we all offend. We, we all offend people. If any man offend not, it's worth saying a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. He said, listen, we, this is something that we, we all struggle with, something that we all fall into. James includes himself in this. And if James was willing to spend nearly an entire chapter talking about this matter of the tongue, then maybe, just maybe, we should spend more time considering the tongue than what we normally do. So for, you, for a few moments this morning, let's open our mouths, not, not, not literally, but figuratively, and let's, let's have a checkup. Let's take a look at the tongue in, in our life and, and see just, just what it looks like in our life. Let's learn about the tongue that's in your mouth and in my mouth this morning. I know that sounds kind of weird, but hey, listen, we're going to learn about it this morning. And let's ask the Lord to examine it ourselves. The greatest physician, let's let him take a look at it and see just how our tongue is measuring up. In James chapter number 3, we'll begin in verse number 3. We see this, first of all, the tongue's power. Power. Look at verse number 3. He says this, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. He says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. James takes a lesson from his half-brother Jesus as he, he spends a good deal of this chapter illustrating some points about the tongue. He begins by giving an illustration about a bit in a horse's mouth. Now, I've shared many times here stories of my experiences on horses. Most of them were very destructive. But uh, it's, uh, one thing that I, that I don't know a lot about horses, and it's clear from the stories that I've shared that I don't know very much about horses, well, one thing that I do know about horses is that if you want to control a horse, if you put this little bit in their mouth, you can control this enormous animal. This animal that sometimes can be ten times the weight of the person that is driving. In fact, you can take this massive horse and place 
even a small child on their back. And if you place a bit inside of that horse's mouth, that small child can control the direction of that horse. This little piece that only weighs a few ounces can, can dictate the entire direction of this multi-hundred, sometimes multi-thousand pound animal. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And then James gives the example of a, of a ship. So if you're a fisherman here this morning, you know, we already, we've already talked about the, the horse, horse people, but you know, if you're a person that likes the boats, then, then this is for you. He, he points and says, listen, look, even the ships, the, the great ships he refers to, the big ships, he says these, these great ships, he says they're, they're oftentimes driven about by strong winds, and yet they can be controlled by a very small helm or, or a small rudder. Uh, they would have a rudder in this time in, in, in history. They would have a rudder that would be at the back of the boat. Oftentimes they would have two rudders out the back of that boat. And they, they would pull those rudders out of the water and let the boat float. But as soon as they wanted to actually go somewhere to determine where the boat was going, the ship was going, they'd lower those, water, those, those rudders down into the water. And those small rudders would dictate the entire direction of an enormous boat. Power. And then James brings the tongue to Verse number five. He, he says it again, even so the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things, build out great a matter, a little fire kindleth. See, by comparison to the rest of the body, the tongue is, is a very small part. But its power would rival every other part that composes the body. He even gives an example of a small flame's potential here. Uh, one, one last illustration in this little party. He talks about the, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The, the word matter there, it literally has the idea of a forest or, or wood. He has the idea, and it literally has this idea of a, of, of a, a single flame, a single spark in a forest. How great a matter a little fire Kindle it. That's, that's what he's getting here. He says, listen, it only takes a small spark to burn an entire forest. And in the same way, the tongue has immense power and potential. Here, here in Montana, we're all too familiar with the power of a single spark or a single lightning bolt, aren't we? Uh, we we've, we've probably all experienced the burn in our throat in the summer times uh, whenever the, the smoke has filled the air all around us. We've, we've all been outside and not been able to see the mountains that were normally so easily visible to us because they're so covered by smoke from a fire that, that maybe started somewhere from, from just a small spark or small lightning strike. Great power, an immense amount of power. On Friday night, I was driving over to Idaho to, to preach a, a, at, a, at a teen rally over there. And as I was going down the road on I-90, I was going to, down the road and all of a sudden I saw some smoke just right off the side of the road. And as I got a little bit closer and, and kind of turned the corner, I saw there was a house right next to the road that was engulfed in flames. I mean, just absolutely engulfed. They were standing, I mean, you could see it. There was a firefighter standing out, one, one guy out there with, with one little thing of water. I mean, I felt bad for the guy. I mean, he's just standing out there with one little stream of water. It looked like a water hose. I mean, just standing there spraying this, this house that was completely engulfed in flames. I mean, it was, it was doing absolutely nothing. Uh, but just a terrible situation. And no doubt, that fire probably started from a small flame. Small electrical short, a small, a small spark somewhere. See, just a small thing with such incredible, incredible power. 
See, there's incredible power in your words. Often the day that we, we live in, it's not every time in the form of a, a verbal word that we say. Sometimes and oftentimes it's in the form of something that we type or something that we, we put on our, on our social media or on the computer or something like that. I, I've watched, back, watched and set back many times and probably you have as well as, uh, as you, you've looked and there's been a feud that's taken place over the comment section on social media somewhere and, and you're sitting there just, I mean, with the popcorn just watching as it's back and forth and back and forth as people are just typing things one to another that they would never say face to face, but oh man, under the guise of social media, we can say whatever we want to say. Uh, people will, will do that all the time and they don't understand the power that is in their words. Wars have been started and stopped through the power of words. You know, the Bible tells us that our words are so powerful that in Romans chapter number 10, It tells us this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, it's so powerful that it can literally change your eternal destination from an eternity in a lake of fire to an eternity in the presence of God. An eternity in hell to an eternity in hell. In heaven, all by a recognition through the words that we say of God, I, I, I'm trusting you as my Savior. Coming to that place where you say, listen, I'm no longer going to trust in the things that I can do to get me to heaven. I'm not going to trust in the works that I can do. I'm not going to trust in the, the, the good things that I have done. I'm not going to trust in going to church to get me to heaven or, or being baptized or, 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 or giving money or, 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 or any of those things, confessing my sins to some person. No, I'm not going to trust in any of those things to get to heaven. No, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is who He says He is and that I who I am who I who who the Bible says that I am. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And God, I need your forgiveness. Will you forgive me for my sins? Oh, there's immense, immense power in our words. Immense power. Just as that small bit turns the horse, and that helm, helm turns the, the ship, so your words reveal the very direction of your life. Because the truth is, is they are a window into your heart. You ever said something and then followed it up by saying, you know, maybe you said something that, that you know, you immediately regretted it. You know, so it, just, it just slipped out, right? You know, oh, it just slipped out, you know. And, and, and maybe, maybe after you said, you say, well, I don't know where that came from. That's just not me. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't usually say things like that. I don't know where it came from. Well, listen, I do. I know where it came from. Because the Bible tells us, Luke chapter number 6, verse number 5, he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth the, that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. It says this, And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, out of our, out of our heart, our words flow. You say, well, that's just not me. I, I don't know where that came from. I do. It came from your heart. 
You see, your, your mouth communicates the condition of your heart. You can dress to, to hide the condition of your heart. You can smile and hide the condition of your heart. But eventually, you will be portrayed by your mouth, by your lips, by your tongue. It will re- reveal the true condition of your heart. Your posts on social media will reveal the true condition of your heart. You see, you have a harsh tongue. Because you have an angry heart. Harsh to your kids, harsh to your spouse, harsh to your, the people that you work with. Maybe it's not that you're always having a bad day all the time. Maybe it's just that you're a jerk with an angry heart. I mean, you know. You have a negative tongue because you have a, a fearful heart. Every conversation that you have is about how bad the economy is and how bad the election was and the sky's always falling down. Listen, maybe it's just that you have a fearful, anxious heart. You have a critical tongue because you have a proud heart. I've learned this. People don't say things to the pastor. They say things about the pastor. Okay, I'm just telling you, all right? Listen, I know what you said, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Listen, but, but listen, isn't it true? We don't, we don't say things to people. We say things about people, to other people. That's the way that, that we do it. Listen, we're critical uh, of people, and, and, and we say these things. And the reason we have a critical spirit is because why? Because we have a proud heart. Because if I was in charge, I would do it differently. Because it was up to me, it wouldn't go that way. I know what's best and what does it do? Oftentimes our critical tongue reveals a proud heart. Say so you have an, an overactive tongue because you have an unsettled heart. God is a God of peace, not of turmoil. You have a boasting tongue because you have an insecure heart. You ever known somebody that has to tell everybody that they're the one that's in charge? I've learned this. If you have to tell everybody that you're in charge, you ain't in charge. (laughs) It's the way that works. An insecure heart. See, our tongue's incredibly powerful. It reveals and communicates the condition and the direction of your heart. The tongue is powerful, but then we also see this. We see the tongue's problem. The tongue's problem. James says that the the problem with the tongue is it can be used for much destruction. Look at verse number 6. He says this, And the tongue is a fire, world of iniquity. So is the the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth it on fire. The course of nature is set on fire of hell. Every kind of beast, of bird, and of serpent, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. See, it's the, the big problem with the tongue is that the tongue can be very, very destructive. Verse number 8 tells us that, that it has the potential to be full of deadly poison. Deadly poison. We used to, uh, whenever I was uh, a counselor at camp, we would 
teach through this, this passage with the kids. And I, I can remember one time with, with our kids, we're sitting there and, and we took and we said, listen, if there was a bucket of water that was here and it was, it was cool and, 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 and I, mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was just perfect and, and you're out playing all day in the hot sun and, and you're exhausted and you're thirsty and you need something to drink and you run over to this bucket of water. It's, it's, it looks so good and, and you want it. But I said, if I just took just the smallest little bit of cyanide and I dropped it into that water, so would you drink it? And of course all the kids, no, no, we wouldn't drink it. And then there's the one kid that's like, yeah, I would drink it. You know, and it's just, that's the way that it is. And, uh, you know, just one little, one little drop. What does that communicate? Listen, there's one little, one little drop of poison causes much destruction. Listen, one little drop of the tongue in the wrong way, in the wrong place that's full of poison can be very, very destructive. He goes so far as to say that it can be used by the very fires of hell to destroy. In verse number 7, he says, listen, we've tamed all the beasts of the zoo. All the animals of the circus. we've, We've tamed them. We've controlled them. But he says, the tongue, no man can tame that. And an out of control tongue is sure to do incredible destruction and cause immense See, the truth is this, so many times we do the devil's work for him. He doesn't have to concern himself with destroying the church most of the time because the church is plenty good at destroying it itself. He doesn't have to destroy your marriage. We, we just let that tongue flap and, and uh, the pain is sure to follow. He doesn't have to destroy your kids. Your angry tone does the job just fine. Our tongue often looks more like a shovel that can dig a hole that you can't get out of. Isn't that the truth? Listen, every man in this room understands what that sounds like. All right, all of us. I mean, you're like, yeah, my tongue is a pretty, it's a pretty hefty shovel. It can dig pretty deep ditches, all right? And, uh, and uh, they're hard to climb back out of. You know, there's a, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter number 5. Naaman, he was the captain of the host of the Syrian army, and, and uh, he, was, he was a very sought after, very, uh, very recognized man, someone that had uh, an author- incredible amount of authority, but Naaman came down with leprosy. If you know in the scriptures, leprosy was something that was, was really incurable. In fact, to this day, they don't, they don't really have a cure for leprosy, and it's, it's a terrible illness, and, and in the scripture times, if somebody had leprosy, they were required to separate themselves. It's kind of like COVID, no, but no, no, just kidding. Uh, they, but it was the leprosy, they had to separate themselves from, from everybody else and the rest of society, and weren't allowed to be close to anybody else, and, and, and if they saw somebody coming from a distance, they'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean, to, just to make sure that, that that person knew that they were somebody with leprosy. Naaman came down with leprosy. It was, it was a traumatic thing. And uh, somebody came to him and said, listen, you should go talk to the man of God about this. He's, he's the only one that might be able to do something. And so Naaman made his way over to Elisha's house. And, and as he's getting there, he, he, he's getting close. And, and I love Elisha tells one of the servants, he said, just go and tell him to go and dip in the Jordan River seven times. And uh, when, when Naaman first hears this, he's angry about it. He, he, he gets in a little bit frustrated. He says, are you kidding me? I dro- walked all this way, rode all this way in the chariot, and, and, and he's not even come out and seen me. And, 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 he, and he tells me to go dip in the, the Jordan River. I mean, the, that's a dirty river. He's like, I, I could have just done that in a river close by. And a servant looked at him and said, listen, just what do you got to lose? Just do what he said. So Naaman goes to the river and 
And he climbs down into it. The first time he, he's, you know, he's washing himself, he dips there in the water and washes himself, nothing. Washes himself again, nothing. Washes himself again, nothing. Finally, after the seventh time, Naaman washes himself, and as he comes up out of that water, the leprosy's gone. It's a miracle. He makes his way back to the house of Elisha, and he gets there. He says, listen, he says, I want to I say thank you. I want to give you some gifts. I, I'm a man of, of means. He says, I want to, to say thank you for, for what you've done for me. You've given me my life back. I mean, he was very, very appreciative for, for what the Lord had done through, through Elisha. And he said, give this. And Elisha said, no. He said, keep your gifts. He said, I don't need anything. He said, you just, just go ahead on your way and, and just recognize that it's the Lord that did it. So Naaman heads his direction, Elisha stays in his house, but Elisha has a servant named Gehazi. Gehazi. Gehazi is a servant, and you know, as a servant, he may not have the means that some of the other ones do, and he starts to, he starts to talk to himself, and he thinks, you know, just because Elisha doesn't say he wants anything doesn't mean that I shouldn't get anything. And so the Bible says he, he jumps down and he takes off running after Naaman's chariot. And he, and he gets up to, to the chariot and he, he finds him there. And when he catches up, it says in, in 2 Kings chapter number 5, verse number 22, he says to him, he says, hey, listen, uh, Naaman says, hey, is, is something wrong? Is everything okay? And he says, listen, all is well, all is well. My, my master hath sent me. And then this is what he said. He said, Behold, even now there, there become to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophet. He says, Give them, I pray, the talent of silver and two changes of garments. He says, You know, if you could just, if you could just give them some silver and some, some, some clothes, that would be, that'd sure be a blessing. And, and it's not, not for me, for Elisha. If you could just go ahead, and, and that would be great. And Naaman, very appreciative. He, he says, Listen, he says, you, you need two, I'll give you four. He said, You want some of that? He said, I'll give you more. He says, Here, I, I, want, to, I want to say thank you for doing this. And he, and he gives it to Gehazi. And he takes off and Gehazi makes his way back to, to the house. And I mean, like he's getting back there and he's thinking, man, I, I'm pretty good. You know, I, I, I'm pretty good at this. You know, I mean, like maybe I should start a business. You know what I mean? Like uh, he's, 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 got, he's, he's worked his way around the, the situation. He's, he's doing pretty good in this moment. He's feeling pretty good about himself. And he gets back to the house after he kind of tucks away the stuff and, and, uh, and, and he walks back into Elisha. Thinking, no one's the wiser. And so if you, if you would, just join me as a fly on the wall in this situation, okay? I mean, there Gehazi standing there, and, and, uh, and Elisha's standing there. And, and in, in, in 2 Kings 5.25, it gives us what, what happens next. He says, but, but he went in, and he stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, um, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? He said, oh, well, you know, they... My servant went, no whither. I didn't go anywhere. I've just been hanging around here, you know, just watching TV, you know, just, yeah, I've just been hanging out. And he turned to him. He said, went not mine heart with thee? When the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money or to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? I mean, like, can you imagine at this moment, like, Gehazi's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, like, his jaw is just dropping. He's like, oh, no. Like, he knows. I mean, like, I am caught. I am toast. I am roasted. Elisha knows. Oh, no. And then verse number 27 says this. Elisha looks at Gehazi and he says this. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee. 
and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. I don't know exactly how it happened. I don't know if he was standing there and all of a sudden he looked down and it just started like moving up his arms and, and, and it just started coming onto his face. Well, I don't know exactly how, but, all the, but when he walked out of the presence of Elisha, he was covered in leprosy. Did you know that, that if, if Gehazi has children that are still alive today, they have leprosy? That's what the Bible says. All because he thought, I can get away with it with my tongue. Oh yeah, this is what this is. This is for Elisha. He he changes his mind. If you could just give him some some of these blessings, hey, it's not that you know, not that. Oh, oh yeah, you want to give more? Yeah, that'd be fine. You know, oh yes, yes, absolutely, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll take it back to him. Oh, nobody will ever know. You realize because of what he said, because of what he did, Gehazi's life was never the same. His family was never the same. No longer could he be around people because he was a leper for the rest of his life. He would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Why? Because Gehazi thought, well, it's just a few words. It's not that big of a deal. And yet it destroyed his life. Friend, can I tell you this? God knows every word that you speak. More importantly, he knows the condition of your heart. You may think nobody else knows that you speak that way. You may think that nobody else knows the things that you say. But God does. The condition of your heart is always revealed in the way that you speak. It's revealed in the way that you speak to the waitress when your food doesn't come out soon enough. Or maybe it's not just the way that you wanted it. I can remember sitting at a dinner one time with, with a family member and we're all sitting around there and, and the food was, was a little slow. And I remember he was just throwing a fit. I mean, like we're all sitting there and I'm just, I, as a kid, I'm embarrassed. I mean, like just throwing a fit. And, and, and then the, wait, the waitress comes over. I mean, just this little, I mean, this young gal and, and he's just giving her a hard time and all this different stuff. I mean, it was just an awful experience. You know what it was showing? It was showing the condition of his heart. You're driving down the road and that guy cuts you off. And let's just be honest, the speed limit was 45 and he was going 35. I mean, come on. What's wrong with them? I mean, like this, this... There's got to be... It's got to be a set. I mean, it just has to be for somebody to do that. But, But listen, in that moment, you know what happens? The condition of your heart's revealed. The condition of your heart is revealed at how you talk to your, your boss, or talk to your coworkers about your boss. The condition of your heart is revealed in the way that you speak to your spouse. The condition of your heart is revealed, teenager, in how you talk to and about your parents. Matthew twelve thirty six. Jesus gives this warning. He says, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. He says, listen, everything that you say, whether it's in front of people or it's on your own, he said, listen, everything that you say, every word that leaves your mouth that reveals the condition of your heart, he said, one day you'll give an account for it. James, in verse number 9, he once again brings himself into this rebuke. In verse number 9, he says, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of He says, listen, this is something I struggle with too. 
He says, praising God with my lips on Sunday and then cursing my fellow man on Monday. You are made in the image of God. He said, I struggle with it too. The word curse here doesn't only mean curse words, though that's certainly included. It actually has the idea of speaking evil to or about someone. And Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 29 tells us about that. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Listen, vulgar language has no place in the life of a Christian. Language that tears someone else down to build yourself up has no place in the life of a Christian. Would the words in your house, at your work, would it fall under the umbrella of edifying, of building up? Or are you being used by the fires of hell to destroy someone else? The tongue has power. We've seen the tongue's problem. But then we see this as we finish up. We find the tongue's place where it should be. Verse number 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and, and fresh. James gives a simple but, but straightforward rebu- rebuke in verse number 10. He says, listen, uh, should, 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 should out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing? He said, no, brothers. He said, this ought not so to be. It shouldn't be that way. Can we put it into our language? The, the where he says that, that it ought not so to be. This is literally what he's saying. He said, that shouldn't be possible. The, the, for, for a Christian, for somebody that's a professing believer of Christ, to one second be praising God and the next second be cursing man, and, and for one second be building up the kingdom of God and the next second building up the, the kingdom of hell, he said, uh, should, 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 should those things be possible in a Christian's life? He said, no, they shouldn't even be possible. He gives some, some, some examples from our natural world. They're not even spiritual. It's just, it's just natural examples. In verse number, uh, verse number 11, he says, does a fountain Send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. So is that possible? No, it's not possible. I can't do that. Can a fig tree, my brother, and bear olive berries and, and, and either the vine figs? He said, no, it's not even, that's, I mean, it's not even possible. So can a fountain both yield wa- salt water and, and fresh? These are rhetorical questions, rhetorical statements that he's saying, listen, these things aren't even possible in the natural world. And he said, so in the mouth of the Christian, so in the mouth of the believer. Talking one way when you're in the world and talking another way when you're in the church house. He said it shouldn't even be possible. It's unnatural. As a believer, it shouldn't be something that we can do. Do you know the world has a word for it? They have a word for it, and, and the Bible has a word for it, but it, there's, there's a word for when we talk one way when we're in the world and we talk a different way when we're in the church house, you know what the word is? Hypocrite. Ouch. Doesn't feel good. I don't like that. And the truth is, is for t- far too many of us, James includes himself, so I will too, that word could adequately describe our tongues so many times. We sing on Sunday, but we fall so short on Monday. So what are we supposed to do? 
Because the Bible's very clear here. It, it, it says, listen, we know that we ought not speak that way. We know that we should bridle our tongues. But he also says, listen, n- no man can tame it. So, so what do we do? Well, the key is in that, that statement. No man can tame it. See, you and I left to ourselves just make a mess of things. We, we make the impossible possible with our mouths, okay? The things that we shouldn't be able to do, we, we do it, okay? And we do. And God's Word has the answer. You see, when you get saved, when you know Christ is your Savior, your tongue is no longer yours. Your life is no longer your own. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You don't belong to yourself. Your tongue is not your own. Can you tame it? No way! But I can tell you who can. God can. Jeremiah gives an insight into things that will help, help us have hope in this situation. Help us have hope so that, so that, so that we can, can have a tongue that pleases God. So we can have speech that honors and pleases God. He gives us some hope in Jeremiah 17 verses 9 and 10. He tells us this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked can know it. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. We can, hey listen, the tongue's uncontrollable. Your heart is desperately wicked. Uh, who can know it? You can't. Why? Because it's wicked. There's no control in it. It's untamable. But verse number 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the, the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Friend, if God has your heart, it will affect your mouth. If God has your heart, it will change your tongue. It's amazing how a person who has one vocabulary one day gives it to God and has a different vocabulary the next day. God can change your tongue because He can change your heart. I remember the last time we're just getting real, real honest here this morning. My mom's gonna, her jaw's gonna drop probably. But I remember the last time I ever said a curse word. Okay, I, some of you are like, okay, big deal, Kyle. All right, but but no, no seriously, I, I remember the last time that I that I ever said a curse word. Whenever I was a young person, I kind of had a, a, a foul mouth. I just did, and uh, you know, mom, and dad, I wouldn't say it around mom and dad, but when I got around the friends. I, you know, it, it didn't talk the right way. And I remember I was in seventh grade. And, and God had been working on my heart, and, and it, was, it was a real pivotal point in my life. Seventh grade, right? You know, and I remember we were out playing basketball on the basketball court during lunch. And, and we were going in. I drove in to shoot a basket, and I went in to shoot a basket, and somebody fouled me, and they didn't call the foul. And, you know, in, in, in Indiana, like, defense calls fouls, and they didn't call a foul. And, and so it was either, you know, fight or just let it go. And, and uh, you know, and so in that moment, I remember when that happened, something slipped. It, it came out. And I don't remember what it was, and, and, uh, but I just I remember something slipped, and, and I remember it was just like immediately in that moment. All of a sudden, my heart said, I mean, it just got, the Spirit just, just said, it just said, listen, you ought not talk that way. I mean, like it was almost like, I can remember so vividly in my mind, 
It's just like the Holy Spirit just said, you, should, you shouldn't speak like that. I remember it was, it, was, it was so simple, but it was, just, it was just that moment right then. And I said, God, I will never, I'll never do that again. If you, if you help me, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never let another curse word leave my lips. Now, I wish that I could say that that was the last time that I ever struggled with my tongue. I, I, we had a teacher in Bible college that used to say, he said, listen, I wouldn't curse, but if you, if you wrote it on a piece of paper, I'd sign my name to it. He used to tell us that, and I don't think that's any better either. But, but listen, I, I, know, I, I wish that my heart didn't still struggle with, 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 with the wickedness that it has, with getting angry and being full of pride and, and, and so often leading to destruction. But I'm thankful that when I fail, there's a voice that says, you ought not have said that. And the goal is when the voice of God speaks to your heart, that we should say, you're right, Lord, I want to change. I don't want to stay the same. Psalm 34 verses 1 through 3 gives a wonderful prayer. That could be a prayer for you and I as we battle this problem of the tongue that the truth is we will never fully get control of, but the more we surrender to Christ, the more it will be under control. I'd encourage you to memorize it. I'd encourage you to pray it. I'd encourage you to read it because it's so powerful. He says this in Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boasting in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. You know, there may be some, some dads in this room that need to, to have a checkup today. Maybe some moms in this room, some, some wives in this room, some husbands in this room that, that need to have a checkup today. Maybe there's some teens in this room that, that listen, you need to have a checkup today. And I, listen, I'm not the doctor, okay? The doctor's the Holy Spirit. And maybe he needs to take a look at your tongue and say, listen, there's some things that shouldn't be there. There's some, some speech coming out that ought not be there. And he looks a little bit deeper and he says, listen, but see, here's the real problem. It's not a problem with your tongue. He says, it's a problem with your heart. He said, as long as you keep your heart in your hands, you're going to struggle with this. He said, if you give it to me, I can help you. Because the tongue can no man tame. But God's no man. The spirit that dwells within us is no man. And he can empower us and change us. There may be some, some spouses today that need to go to each other and just say, I'm sorry for the way that I've talked. I'm sorry for the way that I've spoken to you. I'm sorry for my complaining tongue. I'm sorry for my angry tongue. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And with the Lord's help, I want to change. Maybe some teenagers need to go to some parents and say, I'm sorry for the way I've responded to you. The Lord's help, I want my tongue to change. For in this morning, can I encourage each and every one of us to walk into that checkup room and allow the Holy Spirit to examine our tongue and our heart 
so we can make sure that it's clean and right before God. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we finish our service. We're going to have a time where you can respond to the message from the Lord this morning, and I would encourage you to spend some time responding to Him. This morning, if God spoke to your heart, and maybe He pointed and said, listen, your tongue, your speech isn't what it ought to be. Because your heart isn't where it should be. The truth is, is we all struggle, I struggle, because we have a weak, wicked heart, and it's deceitful. We can't trust it. But thank God, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you can trust Him. And he can search your heart, and He can help your heart to be what it should be for the Lord. This morning with heads bowed and bowed and with eyes closed, in just a moment, the music's going to play. If God's spoken to your heart, I'd encourage you to respond to Him, maybe in your seat or you can come to an altar, but I'd encourage you to take a few moments and, and just let, let the great physician examine your tongue.